0: Love Talk Radio. This is Claire Massey from Tammy Show, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Great guy, great show, check it out. Hi, I'm Alita Adams. Everybody is all a buzz about Brandon's Buzz. I'm buzzed because this guy is the person to listen to. Make sure you check him out on the web. Brandon's Buzz. This is Gloria Loring, and I've just been buzzed by Brandon, and I gave Brandon some buzz. Please stay tuned for Brandon's Buzz. I'm Joan Van Ark, and the buzz is hot. (laughs) So if you feel that you just can't take it, and your world isn't what it seems, don't forget that life can be what you make it. Baby, when you live on a street of dreams Hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you're with Brandon's Buzz, the place to be
1: I dare anybody listening to this to tell me you don't want to sing along to that as it's playing. I tell you what, one of the great songs of all time. Welcome to Brandon's Buzz, guys. June 18th, 2009. It's 5 p.m. here in Texas, 6 p.m. out east, 3 p.m. out in sunny California. And I've got a great show today with a terrific lady. Um, Quickly, I want to tell you about next week. Next week on Tuesday, I've got a return visit from Beth Maitland, actress Beth Maitland. You know her from uh, her work on The Young and the Restless. She and her business partner, Joel Brooks, will be here, and they have just started a new website called Audition LA. Uh, it's AuditionLA.com, or AuditionsLA.com, uh, and it's, it's kind of a, a new instructive website about uh, showing aspiring actors how to master the audition process. Uh, it's really great stuff. She talked about it when she was here back in February, and now that they've officially launched, she and Joel are coming back here to talk more about it, to talk more about acting and life and their careers. It's going to be great fun. That's on Tuesday at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. On Thursday of next week, I've got a great conversation with a great lady named Terry Garber. An entire generation of television fans know her from her work on the, the classic miniseries North and South. She was also on Santa Barbara for a time. She was on As the World Turns recently. She's a, a great actress and has a stunning career, and she's going to talk all about that on Thursday uh of next week and that's at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, right here on Brandon's Buzz. You can find Brandon's Buzz in a number of ways. From the show's official website is the best way. That's www.blogtalkradio.com/brandonsbuzz. From there you can listen to the show, you can download old shows, you can send me an email, you can leave comments. Uh it's really a great site and and you know you can you can kind of read all about the show past, present and future. Uh, you can also catch up with the show from my blog, brandonsbuzz.com. There's a full radio archive up at brandonsbuzz.com, my blog. You just click on the radio button at the top of the page, and it will take you to uh, a listing of all of my shows where you can listen to them and you can see the great banners that my, that my great pal Joanne makes to advertise the show. I'm also on iTunes. I'm on iTunes, guys, right next to my guest today. Just type in Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box, scroll down to the podcast section, uh, click on my logo, and from there you can subscribe to the show and have new episodes automatically download to your iTunes library the minute they're uploaded to the iTunes Music Store, or you can download old shows individually as podcasts and listen to them on your iPod, on your uh, computer, on the portable device of your choosing. So I'm all over the Internet. There's no excuse not to be able to find me. Just Google the words Brandon's Buzz, uh, and you'll be able to come up with something that'll point you in my direction. So, great shows uh, next week and a great show today. You know, armed with one of the most distinctive rhythm and blues voices in the history of the genre, she blew onto the scene in 1979 with a breakout smash called So Good, So Right. Eight years later, the tender, torchy, instant classic Piano in the Dark earned her Grammy nominations, the immense respect and envy of her peers, and the justified right to call herself a legend. Now well into her fourth decade of monumentally gorgeous artistry, don't think for a second uh, that she's slowing down. With with awards and accolades crowding her mantle for her magnificent work on the score of the Broadway smash adaptation of The Color Purple, she's only just getting started. And she's come by the buzz this afternoon to talk about her life and her terrific career. What a genuine honor it is to welcome to my show today the exciting, the extraordinary Brenda Russell.
0: Thank you. <laughs>
1: that was Pretty awesome. <laughs> How are you? How are you?
0: Thank you, Brandon. I'm wonderful. It's a beautiful, sunny day, just like you said here in Los Yes, York. ma'am. And um, it's a pleasure to speak with you today.
1: <laughs> it, listen. It's a it's a great thrill to speak with you. I've been a big fan of yours for longer than either of us would care to mention. I think.
0: Yeah, that's probably <laughs> true. <laughs> just don't tell me you were in the crib when you first <laughs> heard my first song. You know. <laughs> not
1: quite, but close. Close enough. <laughs> so let's Whoa. get the let's get the let's get the boring stuff out of the way first. Tell me where okay. you were born, where were you raised, where'd you go to school? Let's get the sixty second bio on Brenda Russell.
0: Sure. Um I'm a Brooklyn girl. I was born in Brooklyn, New York and uh about the age of twelve I moved to Canada where my father um, moved and I moved with him.
1: Okay. And, where about? Uh,
0: in Hamilton, Ontario. Okay. So I started out, you know, musically uh in Toronto basically and got on okay. you know, really got my Schooling in the the arts of music and and the theater, I I was in the the production of Hair that was out of Toronto at the time, and uh, that was great. My my career kind of started in musical theater and.
1: Uh, you I, know the, the the Canadian music scene is kind of underrated, and they they have produced totally. a lot of terrific talent up there.
0: Absolutely, I mean from Joni Mitchell, you know. Absolutely, Alanis Morissette. I mean, there's a lot of amazing.
1: Celine you know,
0: Dion. Yeah, Celine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Michael Bublé. I think you know there's a lot of talent. Always has been. And uh, the thing that encouraged me to move back to Los Angeles was we were always competing, uh, co- sort of competing, excuse me, with um, American talent on the radio, on the airwaves up in Canada. So I figured, well, might as well go down there and compete for real. I'm going to pretend. You know. So I came, to, moved back to uh, actually moved to Los Angeles. Okay. In the '70s, and uh, I was with my ex-husband Brian Russell, and we made two albums for uh, Elton John's sure. label. Okay. That was pretty exciting. I and mean, he had a label called Rocket Records, and uh, you know, we just got a crash course in in, uh, in the record industry in Los Angeles.
1: Did you get to meet him at all, or no? Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
0: yeah I met with him. We sang with him. We did. A, you know, we 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 kind of hung out with Elton. He was Excellent. A, great inspiration. He still is. He's one of my favorite writers, really. Sure. And
1: back then especially. I mean, he was the writer back then.
0: Oh, he was incredible. And, and, you know, (laughs) the first time we sang background for uh, Elton, uh, he had just fired his original uh, band, you know, Nigel and all these guys that were with him originally. And uh, he reformed his band, and we went to rehearse with him in Amsterdam. Which was just a blast And we were in this big warehouse And Elton came in, you know To join the band uh, on stage And he sat down and played Like there was thousands of people In the audience I mean, he didn't hold anything back At a rehearsal and, uh, you know, I looked at my two background singing friends, and we were so depressed because we thought, okay, <laughs> if this is what you got to do to be a superstar, let's go home right now because this is insane. I mean, Wow. He was, he was unbelievable, and there was wow. nobody there, you know. Uh-huh. So that was a really good lesson on, on, you know, what the top of the game is like, you know.
1: Uh-huh. When did you first understand what music was? I mean, did you always did did you grow up around music? Was it was it a musical home?
0: Yes, totally. Um my mother and father both are musical people. My mother is a songwriter and a singer. She was always writing songs. I thought everybody's mom wrote songs. That's <laughs> how I grew up. I really Isn't did. that funny? Oh, it was amazing. And she didn't have any, you know, multi-track recorders or anything. So I was the harmonizer, you know. She would wake me up in the middle of the night to harmonize with her, you know, on the song she was working on so she could hear what it would sound like. I, I was happy Okay, Mom, you know. And uh, my dad, Have you ever
1: recorded one of her tunes?
0: No, I haven't. Uh, but she... She's taking care of that just fine. She she made her her own record up as recently as maybe um, ten to twelve years ago. <laughs> excellent, excellent. My mother had her web page up before I had mine. Okay. <laughs> I was like, "Damn, mom, <laughs> slow down, would you?" <laughs> so much
1: for the older generation being computer illiterate.
0: You know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> she was amazing. It still is. She's fire hot. Wow. You know? and my dad um is just this awesome vocalist uh, tenor he sang for a while with the uh a famous group called the Ink Spots that uh, you know some of the some of the older folks will know who that is and okay. uh you know they were like the uh, in, in in sync of their time you know and um my dad is a drummer and and you know he was a great inspiration to me he uh, he played all kinds of music you know big band and jazz pop and and that's really important uh i realize to introduce young people to all kinds of music because it absolutely opens them up totally sure it you does. know what happened before they got here because if you're ignorant about what happened musically before you got here and you call yourself a musician that's a sad state of affairs <laughs> you know <laughs> and you know it,
1: i'm sure it, it happens much more than than you would think i mean you know
0: it happens much more than, uh, than we would think. Exactly. It's a sad thing. Yeah. I hate to see it because it just shows me that some of the art is dying because kids, not only do they not know, they don't care what yeah. happened before they got here. And, uh-huh. you know, you can't build something on it without a foundation, you know. So. When
1: did you, when did you first know you could sing? When, when did you first get a big reaction to your voice?
0: Um, I was probably uh, about a toddler and my mother introduced me into a um, a little singing neighborhood competition little singing competition it was it was christmas time and i i was singing jingle bells and i just remember everyone exploding <laughs> with laughter and joy and clapping and laughing and i was like you know it really struck me how they reacted And I found out later that they reacted like that because I was singing Jungle Bells. (laughs) 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 And they just thought that was hilarious. (laughs) I just thought I was singing really good, you know?
1: (laughs) Absolutely, yeah.
0: (laughs) But it did inspire me.
1: (laughs) Sure. Hey, you know, whatever gets you there, that's what I say. Whatever Whatever gets you
0: there. there. (laughs) It's funny, though.
1: What gave you the impetus to pursue this as a career? I mean, you know, the the odds are are completely stacked against you. Um, yes. I, I'm just wondering what 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 gave you the the uh, the courage, the bravery to to insist that you could do this.
0: That's a great great question, because it is a courageous step when you decide that you're going to stand up in front of a bunch of people and sing and do things and let them look at you. It's an insane kind of way to live, but. Um, what what inspired me was first of all my parents, you know, like there was they did it, and I just felt it was a natural thing to do. I wanted to do it from the time I was a very young person. I was writing songs when I was 12 years old, and in, I taught myself how to play piano. I just had a desire, a deep, deep desire and love of music. I loved it, love it with a passion, and I could hear it in my head all the time. You know, from uh-huh. nine years old, I could hear. Big orchestrations in my head, and I just, just loved it, you know. Wow. And I'm so grateful. I can't tell you how grateful I am that the technology is is where it where it's at today because, you know, I can actually take the sounds from my head and play them. You know, the horns, the strings, the what the guitars, all on a keyboard. Absolutely. The technology, and uh-huh. that that's when things really catapulted for me. It was my first synthesizer I could like, you know, because I couldn't write or read music, and I couldn't communicate well enough with my musicians that, that I would work with. Uh-huh. And so when I could actually play what I was hearing and the sounds that I was hearing, that just made my world a very happy place. Wow.
1: Good for you. Thank you. And were, were your parents incredibly supportive? Uh, I, I would imagine that being musicians, they must have been. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Uh, my dad didn't push me into it. My mom kind of pushed me into it because she believed in me. She could see that I had something going when I was very young. Um, you know, she just said I, I just I would memorize songs at two years old. Just start singing songs with my eyes closed, and it kind of freaked her out. So, she <laughs> <laughs> Moody's "Mood for Love" is one of the songs. She said I just started singing oh, sure. it. Oh, You know, mimicking the sax which was one of my favorite instruments. I <laughs> said I had my eyes closed, singing in front of the radio, and it uh, went, oh, dear. It's <laughs> another one. You know. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just have the... Uh, I just always wanted to do this, uh, and, that, and it, it is a courageous step, but you you can't be afraid of the competition. You know, oh, absolutely I not. Have thought about the odds, like you say? I never would have done it. Sure. You know, it's something great about being young. You you're so full of courage, and um, you know, you're fearless in mm-hmm. a way. You don't know what what's really going on. That's why, I'm <laughs> basically, ignorant of what's really happening. So you just walk in with a you know blind faith. I just you know went for it. I it just never occurred to me that it wouldn't happen. You know, and that's where I think that's why people do succeed is that they their thoughts. The power of thought is, is, is something I treasure and, and you know, value. Um, you know, because we manifest everything in our lives by how we think about it. Absolutely. I really believe that.
1: And you know, in some instances, ignorance really can be bliss.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So tell me, what would you what would you call your big break? Would it be teaming up with Elton on his label, or would it be before or after that?
0: Well, in my career, it's been a series of big breaks. You know, my first big break I would say was was my first day out of high school. I was I was trying to you know get into a club in Hamilton to see this girl band that was from Toronto, the big city, and uh, we had no money. My girlfriends and I we wanted to get in the gig, and this, we were standing at the back door, and uh, this guy came out and said, do you sing? Walk right up to me, in the middle of a crowd of girls, right up to me, do you sing? I said, yes. He said, well, we need a girl to replace the girl in the group, and um, maybe you would be that person. And I went, yeah, sure. I didn't believe him for a minute. <laughs> and I got into the gig, and I also got into the group, and that was really a big, huge you know, step into the music business for me, because... I was introduced to a great music scene in Toronto, just brilliant musicians mm-hmm. and singers, and, you know, that really started me off well. And, and you know, the series of things. Elton, of course, was sure, sure. one one of them. Being signed to A&M Records, Herb Alford's, you know, label. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was Tommy LaPuma who signed me to Horizon, which was a, a, a subsidiary of A&M. Tommy LaPuma is one of the great producers of our time. Um he he has produced everyone from Streisand to Diana uh Diane um okay, help me out here, Brandon. Uh the, the Dian- Diana Ross? No, the singer, jazz singer. Diane Reeves the pianist, jazz singer. Ron okay. Killer.
1: Oh, Diana Krall.
0: Yeah. Yes, that's it. Okay. Diana Krall and uh you know, he's just brilliant and he signed me. Just by looking in my eyes, he walked in the office, my eyes, and to see who I was, and and he said, "Okay, cool."
1: Wow, (laughs) that would never happen these
0: days. (laughs) No, no, it wouldn't. Was
1: it was it the greatest thrill of your life to actually make a record?
0: Yes, it was, and uh, and the worst, most horrible thing all at the same time. After I made this first album, which a lot of people know, um, it's it's the song, it's the album that uh, "So Good So Right" came from. Uh-huh. It's only for for one night, which uh, they know that Luther has recorded. And um, way back when, I have a lot of fans for these songs off this first album. And uh, when I finished that album, I sat in my car and cried like a baby, just because I just <laughs> thought it was the worst. And, and it, and it, was, uh, it just was broken hearted And it worked on it so hard So long And I was just devastated That it was so horrible <laughs> That's when you know You've been at it too long And um, you know It wasn't horrible at all when people. Yeah how long
1: did it take you To disabuse yourself of that?
0: Um, you know when the record So good so right Started to take off
1: Okay Nobody
0: knew what color I was Which was an interesting thing Back then Because they wanted to assign you you know, a label, you uh-huh. know, you're black, you're, you're R&B, you're white, you're this, you're pop, and all this stuff. And I was always a pop person. I never uh-huh. understood why I couldn't be pop, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just because I was black, I didn't get that. <laughs> but <laughs> it was made very clear to me I didn't have any options. <laughs> so so uh, this song started taking off, but none you know, I had a great uh, promoter this uh, guy who worked for the label, and he didn't tell anyone what color I was. So all these pop stations started playing so good, so right, because they didn't know, you know. And then when the black stations realized, wait a minute, this is a sister," they started playing it. So I had (laughs) across-the-board hit. It was a beautiful thing, you know. I really had a lot of fun with that. Uh, Do do you
1: remember when you first heard yourself on the radio? Do you remember what you were thinking, what you were feeling?
0: Well, no, I don't remember that moment, but I do remember the first time I heard a song that I had written on the radio recorded by someone else, and that was Rufus. Rufus recorded a song of mine called Please Pardon Me that I wrote with my ex. And that was one of the most thrilling (laughs) thrilling things. You know, at first we thought when we heard it, you know, as a demo, you know, as a recording, not on the radio, we were like, oh, they messed up the arrangement, they <laughs> killed, you know, God, they messed it up. Why did they do this? When we heard it on the radio, we were like, oh my God, it's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just changes everything. Yep. You know? Yep. You hear it on the on that little special little box there. That's just the end of the world. It's wonderful. It still thrills me to this day. Uh,
1: how can it not? I mean, it must, you know, it's,
0: it,
1: you know, I was going to ask you later, in terms of success, what is your holy grail? Is it hearing yourself on the radio? Is it making a record? Is it having a top ten hit? Is it, you know, none of the above?
0: Oh. Well, I can tell you right off the bat, I was never one to crave the hit over substance and quality of the music. Never, ever. I I probably would have had many more hits than i been willing to sort of sell out and do disco when disco was happening, and, and I just thought, you know, God gave me this gift, why shouldn't I use it, and and there are people out there who really want to hear this kind of music, uh-huh. so why should I try to pretend to do something that is not in my heart and my soul, just to be, have, make this financial gain, I was never that kind of an artist, ever, so, um, you know, I, I wanted to sleep well at night, <laughs> you know, so I always went for the quality, okay. and I would always, I would never underestimate the listening, the audience. You know, Absolutely. Like, I would never write down to people. I always wrote up, you know, like, just think about it, you know. Yeah, you never heard this word in the song, I know, but, you know, isn't it interesting? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always like to work really hard, push past the the mediocre, you know. And um that's
1: it. Well, I tell you what, it is my measured opinion that Piano in the Dark is one of the twenty five greatest songs ever. Ever. Yes. Yeah. And I want to hear as much about the inception and creation of that song as you're comfortable sharing. And I oh. you know, I say that only because so many writers are kind of loath to to uh talk about the inspiration behind their songs and so, you know, if right. you don't want to get too deep into that that's fine, but I just want to know everything about it.
0: Oh, that's great! I don't <laughs> mind telling you that at all, and I love that you want to know. That's
1: how right. did the idea come to you?
0: Well, um, first of all, I had two co-writers on this song, Scott Cutler and Jeff Hull, wonderful writers. And Jeff called me up and said, "We have some music. We want to send it to you." Mm-hmm. And when I heard this music, it hit me in such a special way. I just couldn't believe how beautiful it was. You know.
1: And was it was it pretty close to what we heard in the finished product, or was it?
0: pretty close, you know, I just kind of restructured the the, the sections a little bit, and we reworked a a little bit, but basically, you know, that haunting, Mm -hmm. that was right there, you know, and uh, Mm -hmm. so I have, I'm a title collector, I collect song titles, you know, people say things, or you you think of thought, I write these things down, because I always think there's a song within a, a title, if you have a good title, there's a song in there. You just have to wait for it to happen or, you know, find the right music. So uh, when they gave me this music, I was looking at this. They, they were pushing me. What have you got? What have you got? And I had nothing. <laughs> Not a thing. And I, and I was busy. And I said, well, I was on the phone. I was looking at my titles. And I, I said, well, what about piano in the dark? I just threw it out. Just wow. Blase. Just boom. And they said, well, that sounds interesting. What does that mean? I said, well, I don't know. I don't know what that means yet, but, you know, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Let's write it, yeah. Let's write it. And uh, we got together one afternoon. Once I had some words, they really liked the words I had. So I got together with them to just, you know, finesse it, right? And I had my daughter with me. It was a school day. She was nine years old, and it's very difficult to write with a nine-year-old running (laughs) around the house. And as, as magical as as it sounds, my daughter took a nap in the middle <laughs> of writing this song, and I couldn't believe—I couldn't believe my daughter was taking a nap. Only God can do that. <laughs> <laughs> this is a miracle. And you know, we finished tweaking that song as my daughter slept, and you know, at at Jeff's house, it was a wow. beautiful thing. I knew there was the divine intervention involved. Absolutely. In that. And then after I did the demo. I didn't think I could sing the song because the range is so so wide, and I, I was very uh, intimidated by the melody, even though I wrote the melody. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it scared me to death. And I said, no, I can't sing this song, you guys. And they just flipped out, and they beat me down until I, I agreed to sing it, and I'm so glad they did.
1: Wow. How did you get Joe Esposito on board?
0: Joe was uh, in a group called Brooklyn Dreams. I was a big fan of this group. We did a little movie together. Uh, oh God, what was that? Correct? It's about um, it's about um, Alan Freed. The their title has escaped me right now. But at any rate, we I was just a fan of theirs, and Joe just had a had a beautiful tenor voice, and I just thought he would sound great singing this song. Oh,
1: you know, his work on that track is one of the most. Effective harmony vocals that I think I've ever heard. It's, it's
0: it's it's it's
1: it's almost chilling. It's so good.
0: He is magnificent. You know, I just loved his voice, and I was thrilled to have him on there. And there's another little anecdote that goes with this this piano in the dark story. Um, Herb Alpert was the president of the label. He's the A and A and M for people who don't know.
1: You know what? I did not know that. I had no yeah. idea.
0: That's good that I. Told you then. Wow! Um, you know he was uh, he was great because he was a musician himself and he absolutely had compassion for the artists on his label. That was the the label that brought carol King to all of us. You know, that's the label I dreamed uh, to be on, and I was my prayers were answered to be on that label. So wow. uh, one day, uh, as as this album was being put together, the Get Here album, um, we had Gravity was going to be the single. it Was all ready to go. I'd done the video you know they were printing you know records you know Uh and i walked by herb's office and he was playing the horn and he said brenda wait a minute i think um i think we should put piano in the dark out instead of gravity and it was amazing it was like angels singing to me because everybody in that record company loved piano in the dark but nobody wanted to put it out because it was so different from everything else that was on the radio at the
1: Completely. time. Completely I mean, there were no pianos on the radio at that time. There just no. weren't they didn't
0: want to risk it they didn't want to risk it, you know. Wow. They wanted to put out the dance song, you know, because it would fit more in, in the in the flavor of what was happening. Mm-hmm. But but Herb was the only person in that label who could make that decision <laughs> and actually make it happen. <laughs> you know? And it was talk about the eleventh hour. <laughs> When he said that, out my heart just soared. I was like, thank you, God. Wow. And Herb made that happen, put the song out, and, and once again, it was a, a station up in San Francisco, a great pop station, like, you know, like top-tier stations that people uh-huh. would not go right to. You would never go straight to these kind of stations. You would uh-huh. build your bass and all that crap, and then, then maybe one of these stations would <laughs> play, you know? But uh-huh. this guy, he said, I like this song. He just started playing it, and it just wow. caught up through the whole nation, and you know, internationally, was wonderful.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah. You know, a, a hit single that big—can it be as much curse as it is blessing?
0: Say that again. Uh,
1: you know, when you ha- when you have a hit single that's that big and that monster,
0: mm-hmm. can it
1: be as much of a curse as it is a blessing?
0: No. You know why? Um, it could be for some artists, but for me, I never sing anything that I would, you know, that I wouldn't be comfortable singing. Twenty years from now, you know, that's why I say I sleep better at night. You know, <laughs> if I had a, done, you know, a song that I loathed at the time. Yeah. And it was a smash. That would be an which, which
1: happens to so many people. I mean, I had I had a great lady named Nia Peoples on here uh, a few months ago, and. She was talking about how her first album, I don't know if you know her or not, she's an actress, but she was also a singer. I know who she
0: is, she's beautiful. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Uh, and she had a, her first album was a big hit, and and it had a big hit called Trouble. And she was talking about how her heart really wasn't in it, but because it was becoming such a hit, she had to go around all across the country to all these radio stations playing it. And she said it was a miserable time for her because her heart wasn't in that song and in that music.
0: I can see that's what I feared would happen yeah. if yeah. I ever did recorded anything that I did my heart wasn't in that would be insane yeah. you know because I, I learned from these artists you have to learn from people who are out there going man I wish I hadn't <laughs> you know written you know any itsy bitsy you know yellow polka dot bikini <laughs> or whatever you know I gotta sing this thing for 30, 40 years yeah. you know <laughs> that's not what I wanted to do
1: uh huh so do you dare play a show without singing that song no. <laughs>
0: no, I don't. And I'm happy that I have a song like that 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 not only do people are people would people be crazy if I didn't sing it. I love singing it. I love singing it because they are so happy to hear it and mm-hmm. it's just a one happy circle there, you know. It's like I'm grateful and happy.
1: I tell you what, I had I had Olita uh, Adams on this program last month, and she spoke of hearing your version of Get Here playing over the radio in a dress shop in Oslo, Norway.
0: It was and... actually Stockholm, Sweden. Easy oh. mistake, but that's where it was. Stockholm. Okay. And which is I- irony because <laughs> I wrote the song in Stockholm. That's why I remember this. <laughs> I wrote the song in <laughs> Stockholm, and she heard it for the first time in Stockholm.
1: Wow. Okay. Star. Okay,
0: and I'm going
1: to have to write her and correct her then. <laughs>
0: no, no, she probably, she probably said Stockholm. I can't imagine she said Oslo. Did she really say that?
1: Yeah, she said Oslo, Norway. She said that she was she was on a tour of Scandinavia and she walked into a dress shop in Oslo and the song was playing over the radio.
0: Either she forgot or she lied to me. <laughs> I choose the thing she forgot. And anyway, telling she' telling this story for a good twenty years. <laughs> I don't want to hear about no Oslo, okay? <laughs> it doesn't make it well, as good as <laughs> it But uh, it was kind of magical. It was still Scandinavia, whatever. Um, yeah. It was an amazing coincidence, you know. Mm-hmm. And her version of that song was a gift from heaven.
1: Oh, tell and, me about it.
0: My God. I mean, I can't tell you how many letters and, and uh, people tell me how this song has, has touched them in so many ways, so many ways. It's, it boggles the mind to think about it. And that's what it lets me know it's not about me. It's never about me uh-huh. or any of us artists. It's, it's, it's so much bigger than us. You know, I've had people come up to me and say, I, I was losing my mind, literally losing my mind, and this song helped me get it back, get here, get to me, you know, or this guy was going out on in missions in in the gulf and and he would put this song on to get back and
1: sure the
0: most amazing stories, you know, but when this guy told me he was losing his mind, and that night I had performed the song, and I was kind of down on myself, you know as we often are as creative people, and it, he made me realize, God, this has got nothing to do with me, it's so <laughs> much bigger than me,
1: absolutely this
0: guy he's telling me his tears he's crying telling me this story and and I'm walking around with a with a long lip. This is ridiculous. You know, be grateful.
1: Absolutely. You know that that song became a hit during the first Gulf War, and even though it's it's a very bittersweet. I mean, it's not a happy, happy you know sing along song. It's a very bittersweet song, but it filled so much, so many people with so much joy and so much hope at that time uh, that it it really was, as you say, it really was a blessing.
0: I mean, that was. Um, I can't even tell you. What an honor it was that people were calling up radio stations and dedicating this song to people in the Gulf. Uh, It was an amazing uh, phenomenon with uh, Alita singing it so beautifully. And I wanted to tell you that the first time that anyone ever heard this song performed, I sang it in a club here in Los Angeles at my place, the club was called. And uh, I decided I was trying to get a record deal, one of the many times I've been out there for a record deal, I said, "Okay, I think the best way to do it is just do a live show because people haven't seen me sing live enough, you know, sure, so let me go and just put this show together and see how they react or respond to this new music and One of the new songs I was singing was "Get here and by the time I got to get here," and herb was in the audience by the way, and all kinds of my you know fellow artists came, and you know there was a lot of it was a, a starlit Room and I started singing "Get Here" and these people started hollering at me from the audience. Sing that song, girlfriend! (laughs) What? You know, they were just going off, and I thought, "Oh my God, this is—they really love this song." And I was—it just—I always knew there was there was magic in this song just from that first night of performing it. I thought, "Oh my God, this is something special. I've never had this kind of reaction before," Mm -hmm. you know. And um, it did help me get the record deal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, along those lines, as a songwriter who is well-known for performing her own material, uh, particularly at that time, uh, is it difficult for you to more or less, I don't know, it's, it's a bad way to put it, but relinquish custody of your work to another artist in that way? And I ask that just because, you know, as a writer myself, I often wonder how how novelists feel when screenwriters come in and, and adapt their material for the screen and find things in that material that the novelist may not even know was there. And so I'm just wondering what it's like for for you as a singer and a songwriter kind of turning over your material to someone else.
0: Well, it's kind of an interesting question you're asking, because um, that night when I sang Get Here, uh, and there was a lot of tears in the audience that night, and a, and a guy came up to me and he said, you know, I'm working with this new artist, and... I'd really like to have that song for this new artist. I was like, oh, he said, her name's Whitney Houston. <gasps> I said, oh, wow. I never heard of her. No, wow. I never heard of her. And uh, I said, you know, I really need this song to help me get this record deal that I'm looking for. I, I mean, any other song, fine, but this one, I can't give it up. Just can't. <laughs> but as I grew as a writer and a performer, I realized you'd give up anything. <laughs> Because basically, you can—you're the source. You can write another song, you know. You can write another good song. Yeah. And I'm not afraid to give songs up. Uh, you know, I was a little bit scared to let that one go, and it was probably right that I didn't, because then, you know, it, you know, songs have a life, mm-hmm. and Olita was supposed to have that. Song.
1: Oh, sure. It all worked out the way it was supposed to.
0: Exactly, which most things do, you know. But. Uh, he- I much. I grew up as a as a creative person. I I thought, you know what? Let it, anyone record it who wants to record it. You can write another song. Hello. Wow. Go back <laughs> to the well. You know. <laughs>
1: so tell me the truth. Years later, when 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 Whitney Houston became the biggest thing ever, did you kick yourself?
0: Yes. <laughs> she did. And the girl was killing fifty wow. records on the "I Will Always Love You." I, yeah, I was I was hurting a little bit, but you know I knew deep in my heart that I did what was supposed to happen.
1: No it was, question about it.
0: The way it went down, and you know I have no regrets. But it just hurt be- a little because I love this woman's voice so much, Whitney, and uh, it, it would be such an honor to have her sing, you know, one of my songs.
1: Sure. And, and,
0: but who knows? You just never know. You just have to do what you think is right at the time.
1: Absolutely. You know, I'm a huge soap fan, and in particular, One Life to Live. And in 1994, you teamed up with uh, a great singer named Howard Hewitt for a duet on a song called From This Day On, which not a lot of people know about, but but I, as I said, I was a huge fan of that show, and, and uh, the show put out a soundtrack. And you had a song on that called From This Day On, and I'm wondering if you, um, if you can speak a little bit about the process of putting it together or working
0: on that song. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm only laughing because, you know... I I I've written so many songs and and sung on so many songs in my life that sometimes I even forget you know I <laughs> even did the song Sure, I, sure. I like I didn't even remember that until you just mentioned it just now. You know, like, oh yeah, I did do that.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? I thought that album was absolutely terrific and and uh
0: I you have know, it's long. it's a shame
1: that it wasn't a huge hit because it it deserved it was every song was just magical on that on that album. It really was
0: yeah I have a very little recollection of that, except that I loved working with howard hewitt him I loved, and um uh, singing with him was fantastic but um you know some things they just don't stick with you as much as other things you know.
1: yeah sure i'm sorry <laughs> no it's no it's fine you know as i said it, it's it's a song that a lot of people not a lot of people know about, so
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know it's it's only fair that the the artist herself wouldn't wouldn't have uh, uh, prominent memories of it, either. No. So, of of late, you've found incredible success as a film and theater composer with your work on uh, the scores of How Stella Got Her Groove Back and Liberty Heights and uh, the Broadway Smash the Color Purple.
0: Um, uh, talk about... Q, trans- don't pro- forget. <laughs> John Q, that which I co-wrote a song. Sure, yes. Yes. Was was that because I love Stevie and that's, uh, that's the first song we've actually completed. <laughs> it's not the first one we've written but they completed it. <laughs> Talk a little but bit about
1: your tr- uh, about your transition into kind of behind the scenes work.
0: Um well with the with the play, uh the musical, that was a spectacular moment in my life. One of the one of the uh things I'm I'm really proud of because uh I worked with um Allie Willis and Stephen Bray. These are two incredible writers lifelong friends, and um, three of us were already working together on some projects of Allie's. <clears throat> okay. And Allie, for some people who don't know, she's written things like September with uh, Boogie, Night, Boogie Wonderland with uh, Earth, Wind and & Fire, and, and Stevens written incredible songs for um, Madonna. And, you know, these are really great credentials, these people. And uh, we were working together, and we knew we had some kind of magical sound together. I said, you know, we need something bigger, because we're really working for no money. And uh, along came The Color Purple. And uh, I'm I'm not going to go through the whole story, except to say that uh, we got to audition. Um, We had to write two spec songs for this show to get the job, and it was was quite a big competition Mm -hmm. going on. And um, we wrote the two songs, sent them in, we felt very confident that we were gonna get this job. <laughs> and we knew when the producer was gonna get the uh the package from FedEx and he never he didn't call us and we wow. were devastated. We thought, Oh my god, how do we blow this, this job? <laughs> this, this is insane And um, you know, hours, hours later he called and said, You know what, you guys, I'm so sorry. I, we've been jamming so hard on this that we forgot to call you <laughs> He's called Alice Walker. She's driving around her car. She's got the tapes. Everybody's listening, <laughs> except we don't know this is happening. And, and I can't tell you that was some scary hours, but uh, what a thrill to to work on this project. You know,
1: Ab- absolutely.
0: That was amazing. It took five years of uh, of collaboration to complete that musical.
1: Uh, you, you know, uh, people people hear that all the time that it takes it takes you know all these years to bring movies to the screen, or bring you know uh, 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 plays to the to the theater, or bring you know an animation thing to life. Uh, talk talk about talk about the day to day work. In I mean, you know, five years is is you know you hear the number five years and it doesn't always sink in. Talk yeah, about the day to day work of of what happens inside those five years in well, terms of in terms of what you have to do to bring this together as a whole.
0: Exactly. It's, it's like the first time I ever had it. I felt like it was my first day job. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I got into this business, so I wouldn't have to have a day job, but this was that. And wow. we started at a certain hour every day, and we worked for five, four or five hours, because it's very intense work. You can't do this for too long. I mean, uh-huh. we couldn't. It's too intense. Uh every scene you sit down we read first of all we knew nothing about musicals so we had to start with watching every musical we could watch reading books about how to write a musical and reading books about Sondheim and all these great folks that have done this work before us you know you have to learn about the medium before you go walking in there you know these pop writers coming in trying to be Broadway writers it's not as easy as it sounds and and you have to write like you're telling a story through the, every song. You have to you know tell a story for this character, and every mm-hmm. character has a voice through the whole piece. You know, it's, it's not just a bunch of songs thrown in. And you can't end up in the same place that you started. You you have to move forward. You know, so it was an interesting lesson to learn the process. You know, and the eleventh hour song and all these amazing terms we knew nothing. You know. Mm-hmm. And then we would sit together, and we would watch the scene in the film. We would read the scene from the book out loud to each other. Wow. And um, and then we would talk about it for a long time. And then we would start writing. Most often I would sit down at the keyboard and just see what happened. And I would always turn it over to God and just say, okay, <laughs> what do you want to say? Because I had no idea. So, you know, that's what I did. I just... Yeah, I think that's what we all did. We we just went to that higher source to give us the creation, you know? Wow.
1: How closely did did you guys work with Oprah on this project? Was she pretty hands-on? Not at all. Okay.
0: It was not at all. As a matter of fact, the show was already written when she joined the team. Okay. Um, we actually were having readings, and Gail came to one of the readings. It was very funny because she came... And she said, okay, I'm leaving at intermission. She already had her, her way out, you know. <laughs> when she came in through the door. She was leaving, okay. And by intermission, the woman was not going anywhere. She was on the phone with Oprah going, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and and at the end of it, her her mascara was running all down her face. She was crying. She didn't care. She just was so moved, and she just... Really is the one who got Oprah excited about coming to see this, what we had going, and and then she showed up as a surprise guest, and uh, I'm sure some people saw that on Oprah show, show Uh clip of when she walked into the rehearsal when no one knew she was going to be there, that she was going to be a producer on the, on the team, on the production team, and we just went nuts. (laughs) What a
1: feeling that must have been for you guys. I mean, it must have just been.
0: It was heavenly, you know. It's like all the prayers were answered because you know Oprah when she touches something, it, magic happens. Uh huh. Hopefully, and um, it did for us. And she had the cast mm-hmm. on her show. She promoted this show so beautifully because her heart was in it. You know.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, she was so closely identified with the film version that
0: exactly. it, it it
1: must have been it must have been uh, such satisfaction to get her validation of this project.
0: Tremendous. Satisfaction, because it's a touchy thing when people have been in love with a, a certain um, uh, interpretation of, of a piece, and then you come along and try to throw something else totally sure. different with music. Sure. I mean, people were laughing hysterically. <laughs> You're putting Color Purple to music? <laughs> oh, my God, what a disaster. I mean, everyone thought, you know, how could you do that? And we had so many people come up to us saying, oh, my God, we didn't think you could do it, but you you really did do a great job. And that, you know, we had 11 Tony nominations. And, Absolutely. And it was just a great experience. Mm-hmm. I can't even tell you in words. Opening night, oh, my God, Sidney Poitier to, yeah. you know, Donald Trump. To, I mean, <laughs> everybody was there. It was, it was so exciting.
1: <laughs> well, talk it's, a little bit about opening night. You know, all this hard work that you do getting ready, you talk about five years uh... uh, of just working toward this first performance uh... were you were you excited were you nervous as hell were you
0: all of those things we were excited and nervous as hell and our lead actress was was sick as a dog she was she had to actually bail for a couple of nights before opening night because she couldn't speak she had no voice because they worked so hard she was so sick and we were just mortified you know but she came through like a champ. That is LaShawn's I'm speaking of, who won yes. best actress. Who
1: won the Tony for best actress? Yeah,
0: well, yeah. I'm so happy for her. And um, that opening night. Well, first of all, the feeling as a as a songwriter to watch people singing and dancing to music you created. There's nothing like that feeling. That's an amazing. That's a hell of a feeling. I can't even explain that to anybody. You just have to have experienced that to really know how exciting sure. and really the bodies throwing themselves all over the place synchronicity oh fantastic
1: how did the final product compare with what you expected or dreamed when you first started
0: well you know as an artist I'm never happy (laughs) you know it's like that's, never that's fair fully to say. Satisfied? There's always something you could have done better. Yes. Or you could have. Oh, I wish we had a. You know, it's all. There's always something that's never quite complete. But I don't think are you be a real artist if you didn't feel like that. I mean, I mean, there are things I'm proud of, but I can always find something that. <laughs> sure. Was not or,
1: or there's always a skill that you don't have that, that, that you need to take it to whatever whatever next level, level you're aiming for. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So sure. you're constantly trying to better yourself, which is you know we became much better writers at the end of this process than we were at the beginning because you know this is the big difference between pop writing and theater writing to me is the rewrite process. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a pop writer, you write a song, you give it to an artist, they don't say, uh, well, I like the song, but could you rewrite the chorus? (laughs) They don't say that. They either record it or they don't. But in the theater, it's like, you know what, we're changing this artist, this uh, character. Or, you know, or the character is not there anymore. Or, you know, we're changing the scene. We're we're rewriting the scene. They don't say that anymore. So you have to rewrite this song. (gasps) What? I mean, (laughs) I mean, I would break down and cry over, literally throw myself on the table and just, oh, you can't do this. You just can't cut this song. It was so dramatic. You can't believe it. And, and by the end of that, was early in the process. By the end of the process, we were like, okay, right, next. <laughs> we were so over it. <laughs> Five years into this, it was like, okay, next song, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> oh, it was so funny the way you change, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was it was reported that there was going to be in conjunction with the cast album there was going to be a Patty LaBelle Jill Scott duet that was going to be released. And uh the cast album kind of came and went without that duet and I'm wondering if you know
0: if how you know what you happened said, to that. How did you find out about that, Brandon? <laughs>
1: Listen, I know my stuff.
0: That's amazing. Wow. You taught me off guard on that question. Oh. It
1: may not be a fair question to ask you, but you know since you were so closely involved i was just I was just curious because I was very excited about the idea of that duet and and you know the album kind of came and went without that happening, and I'm just wondering what happened.
0: It just didn't happen. <laughs> I can't even explain to you about that that's you know probably something I shouldn't really get into, but okay, but the idea of it. It was fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: listen, those are two of the best voices ever.
0: Yes, we tried to make it happen. Uh,
1: wow. We did. Well, I tell you what, the, the digital revolution has unquestionably changed the way we as a world consume music. Uh, and I, you know, I like to ask this of all my musicians that I have on the show. I'm wondering if it's changed the way you create music.
0: What what is it that has changed? I'm, I didn't hear you.
1: The the digital revolution in in oh, terms digital, of you know oh, yeah. downloading music and the way we the way we buy and consume music these days yeah. is just radically different from from the way it was when I was a kid when you yes. were coming up.
0: Yes, um, it hasn't changed the way I create the music if, if that's what you're asking. Um, it, you know I create the music the same way. It's just people have access to it in in, in different ways now and it's probably better now because you can get it online boom the only unfortunate part is that uh, you know the writers aren't aren't always compensated as well as they should be when people feel they don't have to pay for the music what they don't realize is that you know not everyone is making millions of dollars writing songs there's a lot of people that that is their livelihood is writing songs and if if you get the music for free, they don't have a job. They Absolutely. can't pay their bills. And these people are are, are hurting. Uh, and, you know, songwriters in general, I think, are hurting these days because everyone seems to think they can write a song. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. Not everybody can do this. <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of songwriters, great songwriters moving to Nashville and you know, just really perplexed because it's very difficult to get these covers the way we used to. You know, So many artists were always looking for a beautiful song, but now with the uh, technology the way it is, you know, anybody can go in, put down some beats, and, you know, Uh say a few words over it, and I don't want to make light of of the fact Mm -hmm. that people are creating in that way, but I'm just Mm -hmm. saying that it's hurt real songwriters uh, tremendously. Yeah change in the music.
1: And then, you know, you talk about moving to Nashville, then you see somebody like Darius Rucker, who was, you know, a part of a hugely successful pop band. He moves to Nashville and becomes a hugely successful country star in his own right. Uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's really amazing what he's, what he's done for himself in the last year.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? I mean, he had to find his niche and he found it, and I'm Absolutely. Really, really happy for him, and it's shocking <laughs> a lot of this. Country audience, <laughs> you know, a lot of people weren't just quite ready for that, but uh, but obviously a lot more were ready.
1: Absolutely, know. you know, it's it's really incredible the the level of success that he's reached for himself, and the and yeah. you know, he, he, here's a guy who's been to the very top of the mountain, been all the way back down, and now he's on his way back up. It's it's.
0: Well it's what I was saying before about, you know, just because you're black people try to pinhole you sometimes in the mm-hmm. music you should be singing. Mm-hmm. And he's a perfect example of what I was saying. He was never like a quote R and B guy, you know. Oh, absolutely not. Always. You know, most
1: of most of that hootie and the bluefish stuff was not that far from country.
0: Absolutely. If you if
1: you if you play it side by side with his with the stuff he's doing now, it's not that far apart.
0: I agree one hundred percent. I've worked with him and Darius and He's a great guy and a great writer. And I'm just so happy for him that he's managed to really get comfortable where he is and um and be successful at it.
1: Absolutely. So, who do you like these days in the in the in the pop music scene? Who who lights your candle?
0: Well, well, um there's a lot of great people, you know. Um from uh, the first person that just popped in my mind was India Reed. Oh, sure. Just love her. And um John Mayer, I'm a big fan of uh, John Mayer. Uh, But, uh, you know, a lot of my music I love is uh, jazz. Uh, I love Alan Pasqua and Yellow Jackets. I'm a big Sting fan. That's another person who um, has inspired me a great deal as a songwriter. (laughs) And uh, I had the opportunity to write a song uh, for Sting that. I collaborated with Yvonne Lenz, who's a Brazilian Brazilian composer, genius, that I is one of my favorite artists in in the world. And I got to write some lyrics for Sting, uh, to the music of Yvonne. The album is called A Love Affair, um uh, a tribute to Yvonne Lenz. And um, Sting won a Grammy for that song. It's called She Walks This Earth. Wow. And that was one of my more joyful radio listening moments. When that came on I, uh, I was a real happy girl.
1: <laughs> I imagine so. Y- y- you know, he's got one of the most iconic voices in the history of pop music, and to hear him singing your words, I, I can only imagine it must be the, the most sacred thrill.
0: Uh, it was, truly. And um, what was ironic about that is the producer, he actually was supposed to write the words himself, Sting, but he didn't have time to do it. So, the producer called me and asked me if I would like to write a song for "Sting. I was started laughing <laughs> first of all, how do you write words for sting start there okay and and he, i said well sure i'll I'll take a side of that." He said, "Okay, you have two days, <laughs> wow, two days
1: <laughs>
0: and uh but I love a challenge, so I just jumped in there and wow, and did it.
1: So what's on the horizon for Brenda Russell? What's what's coming down the pike?
0: I am so happy right now, creating. I, I, I'm just like a, a happy, happy woman. I, I I'm happy to be alive, to be able to still make a statement in the music industry, and and being given this music that's coming through me right now. I'm just a channeling kind of person, you know. So <laughs> I just feel you're channeling the music at all times. And um, I just feel incredibly inspired right now. And ever since Obama's won this <laughs> this election, I mean, <laughs> it's all uphill as far as I'm concerned. You know, <laughs> like you know, it, it's on. Bring it on. You know, Cause absolutely, I think there's a big healing uh, happening in the planet right now. Just a lot of people are are experiencing a mm-hmm. healing, and 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 more to come. You know. And and I want to be a part of that healing factor through the music, you know. And
1: you know, we've been so submerged in negativity for so long, with all the bad news and you know the wars and the economy and you know all this, just all this constant dour negativity. And you yeah. know, it, it seems like it seems like we're turning the tide on that a little bit. You know, it's it's a slow process, and it will be for for you know uh, uh, a considerable amount of time. But at least yeah. we're at least we're moving in the right direction again. It seems like.
0: Well, yeah, it's all about intention and and, and what people are trying to do, what they intend to do, and that is a huge, there's a huge movement going on on the planet right now to try to be a more positive place, you know, and try to be more positive in your questions. And I just love that. That's just what I'm here to do, you know.
1: Wow. Well, I tell you what, this was such an honor and such a great thrill. I thank you so much for agreeing to take some time out of your schedule to come gab with me for a bit.
0: Thank you, Brandon. I had a great time. You had great questions. And
1: thank you so much.
0: I hope it was uh, okay.
1: It thank absolutely you. was. I also want to thank your your manager, Seth Keller, for helping me make this happen because he I've been corresponding with him for a number of weeks, as I, I told you before the show, and, and he's been a really great guy and really helpful in, in setting this all up for us.
0: Seth is the man. <laughs> he I is terrific. Him. Yes, he is. And I'm, really uh happy to hear you say that.
1: So before I let you go, could I get you to do a quick promo for my show?
0: I would be honored to do that. As I long as you have the words. You had two friends of mine, Gloria Loring, I heard on there.
1: Oh, sure. Gloria was on here uh when I first started the show. She was I think she was my 7th or 8th guest. That's great. And uh, That's she's great. terrific.
0: Yeah, lovely woman. Absolutely. I would be happy to do that.
1: As long as it includes the words Brenda Russell and Brandon's Buzz, anything else you say is totally up to you.
0: Oh. Oh. Wow. So you have no <laughs> script, huh? Okay. No
1: ma'am, no ma'am.
0: <laughs> All right, so. Let me just think about this for a second. Hi, this is Brenda Russell and you are listening to Brandon's Buzz, and he is truly buzzing.
1: Fantastic! Nothing Thank else. you so so try much. I a different
0: one, <laughs> just just so you'll have something different. Sure,
1: absolutely. Um, uh, you can do five if you want to. <laughs> let's
0: see. Uh, you sure don't have any suggestions of what you want me to say? Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, okay. Hi, this is Brenda Russell, and there is definitely a buzz happening, and it's Brandon's buzz. So keep listening.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so, so, so much. This was truly a great honor.
0: I had a really good time. (laughs) I am so happy. Thank you, Brandon.
1: I want you to know that you're welcome here anytime. You have a permanent and standing forum here at Brandon's Buzz to discuss anything you like, anytime you like.
0: You're awesome. Thank (laughs) you, and good luck to you.
1: Thank you so much, and to you.
0: Thank you. Bye.
1: Bye. The magnificent Brenda Russell, everybody. Bye-bye. And that brings Brandon's Buzz to a close. We're in the can for June 18th, 2009. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, next week we've got Beth Maitland and Joel Brooks coming on Tuesday. I've got a, a great actress, Terry Garber, coming on Thursday. Uh, two great shows lined up for next week. So uh, you can get the information for both of those shows at my blog, brandonsbuzz.com, or at this show's official website, www.blogtalkradio.com slash brandonsbuzz. Uh, from both of those places, you can download the show You can listen to old shows, you can uh, write me comments, you can send me an email, you can tell me what you like, what you don't like, you can ask questions, you can give me suggestions. I take any and all feedback, and I treasure it all. Also, I'm on iTunes. I'm on iTunes, right next to Brenda Russell, if you can believe that. Just type in Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box, Uh, scroll down to the podcast section, click on my logo. From there, you can subscribe to the show and uh, have new episodes automatically download to your iTunes Music Library the minute they're uploaded to the iTunes Music Store, or you can download individual old shows as podcasts and listen to them on your computer or on your iPod or on the portable device of your choosing. Uh, So I'm all over the Internet. There's no excuse not to be able to find me. I'm on Twitter. I'm Brandon's Buzz, all one word, on Twitter. I am on Facebook at facebook.com slash brandonsbuzz. Uh, just Google Google the words Brandon's Buzz and something will pop up pointing you in my direction. And uh, I, I I appreciate you finding me and I hope you continue to find and listen to me and this great show. I'm I'm seriously having the time of my life uh, putting this thing together for you guys and and I appreciate you coming along for the ride. So Brandon's Buzz in the can for June 18th 2009. Come back next week for Beth Maitland and Joel Brooks and Terry Garber and uh, I appreciate you guys one more time listening to Brandon's Buzz.
0: You still there, Brandon? I am indeed. Um, you're really good at this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate you saying that.
0: Yeah, I'm serious. I do a lot uh, of interviews.
1: You know, as I said, it's been a lot of hard work, but it's been a hell of a lot of fun too.
0: Yeah, you're great. Great questions. And uh, were people able to hear us just now, or ability, or do you have to edit it and put it together? And, and no,
1: it was it was streaming live over the over the internet. Wow. And then uh, people will be able to download it. It, it. The great thing about the show is it's archived forever. So, you know, unlike traditional radio broadcasts where you hear them once and they're gone, uh, yeah. you can go back and listen to the show. You can download the show, and it'll be on iTunes in about an hour or so. So, yeah, people who didn't get to hear it, people who didn't get to hear it live, can download it and listen to it later. So it's 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 a really great thing they're doing here.
0: I love it. Well, I just wanted to ask you that, and uh, I'm going to take off and have a great night. <laughs>
1: you too. Thank you so much. And uh, please, you're welcome here any time, so please come back.
0: Thank you so much.
1: <laughs> Thank bye, you. Bye. bye.